Hello everyone and welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. This is episode 141 and it is the Turkish Grand Prix qualifying analysis and today it's going to be hosted by me Steph Wentworth from All About Steph One on YouTube and I have the privilege of being joined by Aaron Harper from the Five Light Five Red Lights podcast. Hello. And I'm also joined with Adam Burns from the DNF1 podcast. Hi everyone. So it is the three of us today. We're going to break down qualifying. It was a really interesting session, wasn't it, guys? Uh, how would you rate it out of 10? Because I thought it was, especially Q1, was extremely unpredictable and really, really interesting. Uh, I, I would give it a, a 7 out of 10 because there was that little bit of drama with the rain at the start, which kept everyone on their toes. But then it kind of settled down into a, a slightly more straightforward qualifying session towards the end obviously with the added implications of uh, Lewis's 10-place grid penalty. And the challenge was to see if he could take the pole position, which he looked set for given uh, Friday's pace and whether Bottas could actually sneak ahead of him and cause him an extra problem by bumping him down a place or if Verstappen could steal a march on the pair of them and, and take the pole position for himself. So I found that quite fascinating. Yeah, indeed. Adam? Yeah, I'd have to agree with Aaron on that one, Steph. Um it had the potential to really shake up the order um, with that threat of rain in the first few minutes. Everyone on the team radios are saying rain is going to come in the first three minutes. Everyone's scrambling to come out on the soft tyres to get a lap in. Um, we did have a little drizzle, but in the end, it kind of just fizzled out. And I think as the session went on, we did have one or two surprises, but I think the pecking order kind of reverted to type based on what we saw in practice. Yeah, 100%. Uh, very interesting regardless uh interesting session especially q1 as you both pointed out that was kind of the most interesting session that we had and we lost nikita mazepin kimi raikkonen antonio giovinazzi nicholas latifi and the shock was daniel ricardo so he ended up getting um booted down into uh the into the the drivers who were out during Q1 as a result of carlos Sainz setting a fantastic lap uh, towards the end of the race so daniel ricardo just ended up with the conditions changing so much, Daniel Ricciardo could not keep up with those. Um, I think he needed to recharge his battery and so ended up letting Lando kind of continue and score that uh, score. That's not the right word and continue doing his lap. So uh, let's talk it firstly. Let's go from the bottom up. So we'll talk about Mazepin to begin with. Not really looking great all weekend, has he? He's been spinning left, right and centre. Um, just... I don't really think there's anything else. So maybe we'll just uh, maybe we'll just skip past him. And uh, I, think, I think you guys agree with me. Let's just, we'll just move past him. Let's talk about Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi together because the Alfa Romeos were, I mean, right next to each other, really. It's looking like they don't have a lot of pace this weekend and like it's probably not going to be a super great track for them. So is there anything that we can expect from them in the race tomorrow, Aaron? Um, from 18th and 19th, I don't think so unless we have another uh, sort of version of Sochi where there's late rain and it turns the race completely upside down I don't see any hope uh, of them recovering from there they'll start 18th and 17th because of science starting last um, it, it was tricky I mean Kimmy didn't have a, a great Friday because his water bottle was leaking everywhere so he definitely didn't have the drink <laughs> um, and then he struggled for tyre temperature um, early on. And he was uh, falling foul of the track limits again, which is becoming a, a more common theme for Kimi. Uh, I don't know if that's something that just comes with a little bit of age. Um, and unfortunately for Antonio, it's, it's another case of he just isn't performing. He, he was nine tenths, no, 1.1 seconds quicker than Kimi, but Kimi was having so many problems that it was hardly anything special. And it, on my notes, all I've got is what hasn't been already said about Giovinazzi because we've seen this all before. He's qualified well before, but then he has these sort of races where he just ends up one place in front of Kimi or one place behind him. And it just it just begs for completely fresh blood in, in both seats and may, maybe a, a fresh young charger. Yeah, it does one hundred percent. I think that's. I think Alfa Romeo just need a completely new lineup. In in reality, I mean they've already got Valtteri Bottas coming in. Gio, I feel like he is on his way out, which is disappointing because 
I, I like him, um, but I just don't really think he's displayed the talents that we that we need to see from drivers in Formula One. So moving on, let's talk about Williams driver Nicholas Latifi. He has been making improvements this year. I'm also a big Nicholas Latifi fan. Do you know what? I just love everyone on the grid, so I'm just going to keep talking about it. But Adam, do you think Latifi could have done more this qualifying session considering that George managed to get out and into Q2? Do you think the Williams was capable of that today? Well, I mean, it was certainly capable, hence why George Russell did. I mean, Steph, we often hear the phrase, you know, the driving the car to its absolute maximum or the blueprint performance. Um, And I often feel that it gets mixed up with some people's perspectives on that with out driving the car. I mean, not to sound like a, you know, a boring, cynical person, but (laughs) it's impossible to outdrive the car. I mean, you can drive the car to its absolute limit and that's what George Russell is doing. You know, he very nearly got into Q3 today. If it wasn't for his mistake later on, he would have done so. Um, For Latifi, qualifying has never really been his specialty, but I think his, he should be fairly happy with what he's done in qualifying, you know. It wasn't an easy session for a lot of people. He seemed to handle himself quite well. He's usually one of the drivers we expect to have a bit of a moment, but he never had that at all. And he beat both the Alfa Romeos today. And and for him, that's got to be a big plus. I mean, you already said it, Aaron, with Alfa Romeo. It seems that they're one of the most disappointing teams on the grid this season. And, you know, it's, most of the interest around them seems to be who's going to be driving with Bottas next year. Will it be... Guan Yu Zhou or perhaps an outsider, maybe like Oscar Piastri, unlikely, but, you know, possible, or even someone like Colton Herter, if the rumours about Andretti binding to Sauber are true. So, you know, Alfa Romeo aside, I think Latifi will be relatively happy, but obviously William's doing rather well at the moment. So perhaps uh, they'll expect a few more places to be made up for him in the race. Yeah, and like you said, Nicholas Latifi's strong point is definitely not qualifying. He's always been much better on the Sunday. So potentially, if we have changeable conditions next uh, for the race, potentially he could do something from uh, from the back of the grid there. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room, Mr. Daniel Ricciardo, P16. We thought he was making progress. And it seems he's having a very up and down year with McLaren because every time we think he's done uh, made one step forward, it seems to be three steps back again. Aaron, what do you make of, of this? Do you think it was just like a slight error due to the changeable conditions or do you think it's partly due to the fact that Daniel just isn't really taken to this car super well? I think there's definitely an element of both in there, but I think it's more to do with the, the sheer timing of how the session worked out. Um, I think in a straightforward, completely bone dry session, Ricardo is solidly in Q2. Um, and we'll talk about Lando later, but he wasn't as stunningly quick as we've seen uh, at parts in this season. So the McLaren certainly wasn't working at its best. Um, on the bright side for Daniel, he did a lot of running yesterday in FP2 on the hard tyre, I believe. So that will come in quite handy for him because they, they didn't get to run any slicks this morning. Um, so... I expect to see him start on the hards and run super long into the race mm. um, and try and open up as many doors as possible on strategy. And if other drivers are coming a cropper or tripping over each other, then he's going to be there to sort of stealth his way through the field and back into the points. So I think that is the way he'll need to go because the pace is there in the car. And generally speaking, the McLaren has been a, a Sunday car rather than a Saturday car. Yeah, uh, we will come on to Lando. Um, and I think that the point you just made, we're going to circle back to it around uh, when we come back and talk to Land- about Lando. But yeah, the McLaren hasn't looked ex- uh, as quick as it has in previous races this week. I think one thing that's characterised this season is the fight between McLaren and Ferrari. And it seems like Ferrari definitely have the edge on this track. So McLaren will be looking to minimise losses uh, again in their fight against Ferrari. So Very interesting. But let's move on to Q2. Big start of Q2 was Mick Schumacher getting in there. So he did manage to get into Q2. I think it was at the French Grand Prix earlier this year, but promptly crashed the car and was unable to participate. So I think everyone was quite happy to see Mick drag that Haas up into Q2. Um, And I think he did a brilliant job. He brought a brilliant lap in and ended up finishing 14th. So he was last of all of the runners, but the Haas is the slowest car. Adam... How well do you think Mick performed today? And do you think if we hadn't had the the kind of element of changeable conditions, would he still have been able to get where he get where he got? Well, I mean, if it was a normal dry session, you probably would have a snowball's chance in hell that a Haas would have been able to get out of Q1. <laughs> 
With that being said, it's not the first time that Mick's done it. He did it earlier in France, although this time he managed to keep the car out of the barriers without causing a red flag. So, you know, you've got to take it for what it's worth, Steph. And it's an incredible drive for Mick Schumacher. Um, I've been a huge backer of him for a long time. Obviously, as a Michael Schumacher fan, I'm always going to be invested in Mick's career. And the one thing I think a lot of people have said about Mick that is a real testament to his ability is his adaptability skills and also the ability to improve and learn, take all this information in. And over time, you start to see incremental improvements to every facet of his arsenal. And overall, that that ends up culminating in what stuff, stuff like we see today, difficult conditions, almost a bit of a lottery, if you can get it right. Although at the end of the session, we did have a lot of sip names we expected to see in the bottom five. But um, yeah, no, Mick did a fantastic job today. He was very, very lucky in Q2 as well. You know, if it wasn't for a mistake that he made at, uh, in, on his first run, when he, and he was running on the soft tyres when everyone else was on the medium. So he fancied himself maybe to get into Q3, possibly, unlikely. But if it wasn't for that and a few mistakes from the likes of, I think it was Stroll on his second run, he had a bit of an issue at turn one, which ruined Mick's lap. Mick might have got himself closer to Q3 than he actually did. So he should be incredibly proud of his performance. Um, a lot of teams are taking notice because at the moment, his situation at Haas, we're not quite sure beyond next season what's going to happen. And can I just say, isn't it nice that, you know, he wore that tribute helmet for his father's uh, 30th anniversary at Belgium and he's still wearing that, I believe, every race since. Is it me or is that just like a really, really sweet thing to do? Maybe adopt it as his new crash helmet for the future. I I love that. I, I I think one thing for me is I love kind of seeing the history in other things. And I just think that it's a bit wholesome, isn't it? It's just lovely. You look over and you see that's nice. And everybody, it's almost like Sebastian Vettel as well. You know how everyone's a Sebastian Vettel fan now. It's like almost like everybody's a Mick fan as well. And everyone just loves seeing stuff like that. So I, I'm in agreement, definitely. Um, so the rest of the Q2 exit were Sebastian Vettel, uh, Esteban Ocon, George Russell, and Carlos Sainz, Carlos Sainz, who did not start the session. And this is because he is going to be taking a penalty anyway, so he's going to be dropping to the back of the grid regardless. So let's talk about George Russell, because Mr. Saturday made an error on the uh, on the final corner of the track. George Russell kind of went wide and ruined this lap. So it was Likely that he could have got into Q3, but unfortunately that did not come to fruition. Aaron, are you disappointed to see George making that slight error? Because it had big consequences. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's an error. I think Crofty cursed him, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he, he put the mock on uh, Charles Leclerc earlier in the session and then he did it against George. Um, so I was, I was very upset with Crofty for that. But, I mean, yeah, he could have qualified higher, but 13th in a Williams all things considered, is still a really solid effort. Um, and it just it just shows a mark of the driver that he is, that the fact that he's qualified 13th and he could have gone faster. It's not, oh, George Russell, Inner Williams, qualified 13th, he got the maximum. He could have got another four tenths out of that car, maybe half a second. Because he was going, I think he was two greens up until that uh, exit of the final corner. Whether it, it pans out into anything in the race is yet to be seen. And the Williams has tended to be uh, more of a Saturday car than a Sunday car. But if it rains, he, he could be in prime position to take a gamble and benefit from it. So he's, he's set up nicely for something to go his way. Definitely. Um, and George Russell has been good at uh, capitalising, let's say, on the... Uh, the inconsistencies of the guys in front at the minute. So uh, will he be able to continue this point scoring streak that he's on? We will We will see in the race. You guys will have to come back and listen to the Race Analysis podcast to see our thoughts on that. Okay, let's talk about Good Esteban plug. Ocon being out-qualified by his teammate again. Adam, I'm a little bit disappointed with kind of what I'm seeing from Esteban Ocon. I think the Alpine, as we could see from Fernando Alonso, was working wellish this weekend. So potentially Esteban Ocon should be in the top 10, would you say? Yeah. I mean, it's quite hard at the moment um, to sort of guarantee a car in that position to get in the top 10. But Esteban has shown quite often this season that he's certainly up to it when he's absolutely at his peak. I think... You know, the last couple of races, I think Esteban has shown some signs of improvement or at least getting closer 
to Fernando. He's been getting in the points quite regularly, which is absolutely critical in this battle with Alpha Tauri and Aston Martin, almost to the point where at the moment um, Alpine seem to be on their own in that fight for fifth place. So, you know, he, he'll be looking at the grid ahead of him. He'll be seeing, you know, the likes of both Alpha Tauri's ahead of him. He'll be seeing Stroll ahead of him as well um, and Vettel. Let's not forget him as well. So he's going to have some work to do tomorrow. Um, I suppose he may have to pick and choose his opportunities depending on how the fallout from the inevitable uh, run through the field that Lewis Hamilton is going to have. So perhaps he might be able to pick up some scraps being the first car behind him on the grid. So yeah, but plenty of work for Ocon. Um, but yeah, today he could have done himself a bit more favours if he managed to get into Q3. But um, on a side note, I remember Aaron mentioning earlier about the harder tyres that Ricardo did some good laps on. That could prove to be a tyre that a lot of the drivers go for tomorrow outside the top 10, purely and simply because it did look like a decent tyre to be on. And given the nature of this Turkish Grand Prix circuit that they've relayed since last year, uh, the, de the degradation and grain is going to be quite huge. So the harder tyre runners may have an advantage on perhaps a one-stop or perhaps a better two-stop for them. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, and actually just on that point, I think that the drivers as well have been struggling this weekend to kind of heat up the tyres. The track doesn't really have any temperature in it. So it means that, you know, the longer the tyres stint, you kind of, we might see the hard tyre being a much stronger tyre because it is warming up at a better rate to kind of the soft tires so we'll have to wait and see um that's definitely a really interesting factor to uh to bring in but as you said lewis hamilton is going to be in front of him as a result of his 10 place grid penalty he will be starting from 11th which means the final uh driver to have exited in q2 sebastian vettel he will end up being promoted to p10 so let's talk about sebastian vettel are you disappointed, Aaron, to see kind of where he finished? I mean, considering Lance Stroll managed to get into the top 10, did you think that was possible for Aston Martin today? Should Vettel have done more? Could he have done more? He certainly could have done more, considering that Lance had his error in Q2. But it, I think it's kind of where Aston Martin are. You don't know really going into a weekend whether they're going to be challenging sort of sixth or seventh at best. Uh, or if they're going to be struggling to get out of Q1. And today they were sort of bang in the middle of that. Um, so for them to have one car in Q3 and one car eliminated in Q2, if it had been the other way around, I don't think we'd have been surprised either way with Vettel out qualifying Stroll. Stroll was handy over one lap and he showed last year that he's handy around the Istanbul circuit. So yeah, it was just one of those days where Seb didn't quite get it all together and, and Lance put in the lap that mattered. Um, but Seb is well set. It's a shame that everyone in front of him is on the mediums. But then, like we've already mentioned, the hard time might be the way to go from the start. Heavy fuel, the long turn eight. Um, and the Aston Martin is generally pretty nice to its tyres. Remember in Paul Ricard, they only pitted because they were enforced to by the regulations, I think. Um, and Seb's a wily old fox. He'll, he'll start 10th and I'm sure he'll move forward from there and... What he might do is maybe just allow Lewis to go past and then just hang on to the back of his rear wing. <laughs> that's a good, that's a smart idea. I think that was Leclerc's plan as well with uh, in Sochi with Max Verstappen. Leclerc was like, hang on to Max and kind of stay yeah, just, on the back. Just throw the hooks out. And exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed that will work for him. I mean, I, it's a pretty cool strategy to kind of go for. Lewis will definitely be a quicker car kind of punching that punching the hole for him. So if he can hold on to the back, that is a really, that's a good plan that they could end up having. It all depends on kind of how well everyone starts as well. And we know that Lewis's starts this season haven't um, necessarily been the best. So if he drops back, who knows? I'm thinking hypothetical situations now. So I'm getting a, I'm getting a off topic, but let's talk about Q3. I was going to say Q1. I've already done that one. But yeah, let's talk about Q3. I feel like this was where it really reverted to kind of the normal uh, normal finishing order. We had Lando, that not normally as high as he was, but we had both of the Mercedes right up at the top. Sergio Perez not being able to max, max, match Max Verstappen. Wow, there's a lot of tongue twisters today. Uh, but there was a lot going on in Q3. So let's just talk about them in order. So in P10, we had Yuki Tsunoda. A trip to Q3, fantastic for him. Uh, I think he's been struggling a lot in qualifying this year so far, especially in comparison to Pierre Gasly. And he still isn't on Gasly's level. But Adam, I think this was a step forward in the right direction for Yuki, even though he's been making some mistakes this weekend. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's been the story of most weekends for Yuki Tsunoda. He's either on it pace-wise almost as quick as his teammate or he ends up rear-facing in the back of a wall. Um, it's, it's been quite an underwhelming season, I think, for Yuki Tsunoda. I, th- I think we shouldn't hype too much expectation on him being a rookie, but the start of the season looked quite promising for him. And anyone that followed him in F2 will know that, you know, if the season lasted a bit longer, he really would have challenged the likes of Schumacher and Callum Eilat in F2. That being said... Um, you know, a lot, there's been a lot of talk in the press. Certain pundits, shall we say, have had less than impressive things to say about him. And there's always been that question about his attitude. Is he not taking F1 seriously? A weekend like this weekend, um, or, or a day like today, I should say, is is a good way to address those in a positive manner. He did a good job in qualifying. Had a few scary moments in Q1 where he uh, went off a bit and also knocked over one of the bollard, one of the. Uh, sponsorship bollards but um he managed to recover from that and managed to get into q3 and i think overall alpha tower would be happy with that he might be able to make up some places in the race the honda power cars did look quite handy um so you know it, it's good stuff for yuki he needs to put in more performances like that uh so he's not looking over his shoulder next season because his future will be very much on the line next season yeah, as it is for all of the Red Bull drivers, isn't it? It's a, it's a very uh, double-edged sword being part of the Red Bull Junior Academy, unless your uh, last last name is Verstappen. Okay, moving on, let's talk about Lance Stroll. Now, I actually predicted that Lance Stroll could have a really good weekend this weekend because he was on pole last time out in Turkey. He's a decent wet-weather driver. I think out of all the drivers on the grid, he's one of the best wet weather drivers that we have he kind of pulls out some really great performances um i expected him to be a little bit higher on this uh this order but unfortunately we didn't really get this weather that they were promising us a hundred percent chance of rain and it just never manifested itself so uh aaron how uh, successful do you think lance can be tomorrow do you think he can end up a lot further up than uh ninth or he'll end up starting eighth yeah there's definitely a possibility i mean it might be uh, he might have to copy Seb's ploy of just hanging onto the back of Hamilton. So Hamilton's pulling along both the Aston Martins who are sort of connected to each other. Um, but like you said, if, if it had rain, I think Lance would have been in a really good position to not necessarily repeat last year, but definitely have a strong position in the top 10. As it is, he's in the top 10 anyway. And you can't, you can't say fairer than that. He's got a four-time world champion teammate and he's always going to get stick because his dad owns the team so for him to put in a performance like that and he hasn't necessarily outperformed where we think the car should be um i think he'll be pleased with that and he'll be hoping for points tomorrow and i think there's definitely a chance of him picking up a a lower points finish unless there's chaos at the start mm, who do you think's going to finish uh on top, do we think it's going to be a uh, Seb or Lance? Which Aston Martin's going to get the best end of the deal? Ordinarily, I'd say Seb, but because the top ten aren't all starting on softs, and then the 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 uh, bottom half of the top ten, uh, the the field would start on the mediums. It's hard to say because the medium tire will probably run a bit stronger early on than the hard tire, but then the hard tire has that longevity, so it, it's going to be one of those slow burners like the whole race world, not just between uh, the two Aston. So I can make a case for both of them coming out in front. Uh, ultimately, I'm, I'm going to hang my hat on Vettel simply because he's got that experience. And what about be hanging you, off- Adam? Yeah, I, do you have a, the same uh, opinion? It's, it's going to be a hard one. Um, you know, as Aaron said, what doesn't go in Stroll's favour in this uh, debate, for, for, for tomorrow at least, is the, you know, the tyre issues that they may have tomorrow. I mean, as I said, a lot of... A lot of medium runners in uh, into Q3, so that will help them. But it just depends on the performance of the harder tyre and, and the track conditions. As far as I'm aware, the weather is meant to be similar to what we saw today, where there's going to be a lot of rain tomorrow morning, so that's going to wash away a lot of the rubber that we that was laid down. And then it's going to be cloudy with a potential chance of rain in the race, but not a high, highly likely one. So, it, as I said, it depends on how well the hard tyres do. You know, if, if Vettel can keep his nose clean, literally, and perhaps adopt that tactic he did last year, follow Lewis around and as he did to get on the podium, he might fancy his chances of getting a decent points finish. For Stroll, it's going to be the same thing, but he will have to manage those tyres on that opening stint. If he can do that, not open them up and cause himself massive graining, which would be easier said than done, then he may have a chance. But I would I would probably back Vettel just because there's not a massive difference between them on the grid. 
Um, and as I said, it just depends on who manages their tyre strategy better. Yeah, there's just Yuki Tsunoda in the middle, so they are quite uh, tightly packed together. I'm in a back glance, um, just to be uh, just to be a little bit different, but also, I, I don't know, I just got a good feeling about him this weekend, but maybe I'm now jinxing him. So who knows? I should never have good feelings about drivers because it never ends up uh, working out in their favour. But a driver who had a little bit of bad luck was Lando Norris as well. As you said, he hasn't been as quick as we've seen the McLaren be um throughout the, this year, really. This kind of isn't a circuit that's really playing to the McLaren's strength. So Lando Norris all the way down in P8 will end up starting P7 with Lewis's penalty. So not a bad place to start whatsoever, but he's been used to being right up on the front, on the first row, second row, third row. So it's it's a little bit different to what Lando Norris is used to this year, isn't it, Aaron? Sorry, I thought you were going to add him on that one. I was muted. Oh, I could go to either <laughs> of you, whoever wants to answer. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's not what Lando's used to, and it's, it's probably a bit of a bump down to earth from his pole position in Sochi. Mm. Um, but like we said about Daniel, it, the McLaren is more of a Sunday race car than a, a Saturday qualifying car. So his progress through the field will be very interesting. He's got a couple of tough competitors in front of him in, in Gasly and Alonso. So it'd be actually very nice to see Lando and Fernando go wheel to wheel, considering that they were not necessarily teammates, but they were working together at McLaren and see how they approach each other. That, that would be quite interesting. Definitely. Lando versus Nando. I guess that's a, uh, a battle that we'll hopefully see tomorrow. Uh, let's not jinx. I'm, I'm worried that we're not going to, I'm worried that we're hyping this race up too much now. Um, but we've had some absolute bangers this year that we definitely jinx before already. So who knows? I don't have a crystal ball. So um, Sergio Perez uh, is up next. Still a long way off Max Verstappen. Is this? Are you worried, Adam, about how the how Sergio Perez has been performing? Because on the one hand, there are certain situations and scenarios where he's doing exactly what Red Bull need him to do. But when Valtteri Bottas is technically an inherited pole, and Sergio Perez is going to be all the way down in P six, not really what you want, really. I mean, this would have been a perfect opportunity for Red Bull to use their two drivers against one one driver in Mercedes and kind of maximize their points. So what are your thoughts on kind of how Sergio Perez is uh, helping the Red Bull team? And yeah, what what, what do you think about this? And, and can does Checo really need to start sorting out these qualifying performances? Yeah, I mean, that is the, I think that's the first thing they need to address, you know, why Sergio is you know, even a day like today, half a second off of Max Verstappen. Now, I know a lot of people have said so many different theories to this. First of all, the most laughable is that Max has a fully upgraded car and Sergio doesn't, which I, I'm not quite sure where the logic would that be. If you're fighting for a world championship on all fronts, why you'd do that? Um, I, I don't think it's a secret that Max is a lot more adaptable to this car and the car's designed more to his needs than Perez's. I think it doesn't take a genius to work that out. But that being said... I don't think since the French Grand Prix, Sergio Perez has really been able to deliver what Red Bull require of him. Um, you know, he's had a lot of races where, as you said, Steph, he's been lagging in qualifying, not just compared to his teammate, but on a day like today, he's got three guys ahead of him that are in cars that are inferior to the Red Bull. And once again, Sergio is going to have to fight his way through the field before he even gets a chance to get at the likes of Verstappen and Bottas. You know, the saving grace for him is that inevitably he will have to deal with Lewis Hamilton at some point. So the question will be, can he hold Lewis Hamilton behind? How long can he hold him back for? Judging by Lewis's pace, my answer would probably be not very long. But then Sergio is one of those that handles and manages the tyres better than almost anybody else on the grid. So that could be a huge factor. And it was last season that he got that P2. That was a huge reason for it in changeable conditions. So if we have another race like that, Sergio may come to his own, but he really does need to step up for the Red Bull team, if not for his sake this season, for next season as well, because they will be judging him based on that. And if they don't win at least the Drivers' Championship this season with Max Verstappen, they could be looking into his corner and thinking, you could have done more to help the team overall and help your teammate. And at the moment, he's not really doing that. Uh, I completely agree. I think especially on that uh, on that front and talking about the championships, I think Red Bull have sunk a lot of resources into making this car a fantastic car, making it the fastest car that is on the grid this year. And at the majority of the races, it is the fastest car. So the fact that Sergio Perez is so far off Max Verstappen, 
might end up hindering them. And I think regardless, Red Bull have the fastest car this year, so they should be winning the Constructors' Championship. But in the battle of the second drivers, it's not it's not working out so much. Valtteri Bottas is on pole, Sergio Perez down in P6. It's not, uh, then it's not translating. And currently, I think Valtteri Bottas is most definitely winning the... Um, the battle of the second driver, shall we say. So, yeah, I definitely agree that Sergio Perez needs to uh, step it up in order to kind of make sure that he's safe with Red Bull. Um, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if he's not pulling the performances out that they drop his contract this year. I mean, we know that Red Bull are teams that are consistently after the best. So we'll have to see. I mean, I think he's been a good fit so far, but... Like he does need to step it up. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But a driver who has definitely come into his own is Fernando Alonso in P6, promoted to P5 now. So he is doing a great job, I think. And he started off the season very shakily, but he's now coming into his own. A qualifying performance like this, where the Alpine is definitely not the fastest car. Um, I think he I think he did a good job today, wouldn't you say, Aaron? Uh, he just ages like a fine wine, doesn't he? <laughs> he's just getting better with age. He's he's got that that fire back. Doing the the little uh, shortcut at Sochi, flat flat to the floor through the, the bollards, <laughs> and the, and then getting a bit shirty with the stewards in his uh, press conferences. Fernando's back, and he, he's back properly now. And you can see that in the way he's driving the car. He's hustling it. And he was setting purple sectors every now and again today. And I know he wasn't the only one to be doing that because obviously the track was just gripping up and getting faster all the way through. But he, he looked very strong all the way through. And I'd actually say that qualifying sixth was an underperformance given what he'd shown Ooh. earlier on. But then if you look at the two cars that are ahead of him, you would say that they're actually faster cars. So it doesn't look quite so bad from that angle. He's going to be on it at the start, looking to make places. And we've all seen the, the old videos of his starts at, at Barcelona where he leaped from fourth to first, um, shoving it down the inside into the chicane. And it, this is a circuit as well where accidents happen. And we saw last year with Ocon and, and Bottas both spinning off. If someone gets brave down the inside, it's going to have a, a domino effect and the door might open up, especially if it's Verstappen and Bottas decides that he's going to have none of it. Then the door might open and we might have a, a hungry on our hands again. Oh, so Fernando's that would well, be interesting. <laughs> that would be mad. So Fernando's well set for a really good, really good result. And I would argue that he's put that car higher up the order than it, it ordinarily should be. You'd think that Norris would be up there and uh, Ricardo and Sainz would normally be up there as well. So you could argue that he's outperformed that car, but he's set for a really, really strong Sunday afternoon. Definitely placed himself very well in this qualifying session. Um, and I'd agree on those fronts as well, that the um, that he's, he's done that on both sides. You can argue that he's done better than expected, but also worse than expected. I think you could potentially say he could be higher than Pierre Gasly. He did have an interesting Q3 in that his final lap, I think, ended up being ruined by a mistake. So it would have been nice to see Fernando kind of capitalise on that. But Pierre Gasly, we know this year, he's been on a mad one in qualifying, really. He's been throwing P4s, P5s out there all the time. So crazy. So Pierre Gasly is the next driver. He will be promoted to P4 tomorrow with Lewis Hamilton's penalty. Wow. I think I, I'm in awe of Pierre Gasly, honestly, this year, Adam. I think he's been performing so fantastically, especially in qualifying, because that car, when you can kind of compare it to the Ferraris or the McLarens, it doesn't necessarily have that raw pace to compete in a race. But because Pierre Gasly does so well in qualifying, it makes his races a lot easier when he's um, kind of fighting with these cars that should be in front of him. So what did you make of him today, Adam? Pierre Gasly is very much, uh, a very much a dark horse uh, this season. He's put together so many stellar qualifying performances. I think it's like the 11th or 12th time he's managed to get into Q3 this season. And on most of those occasions, he's been in the top six. Um, it's quite an interesting dynamic because the last year or so, 
that he's been in the Alpha Tauri. He's really, you know, matured his character after he's had to go through a lot the last couple of years. It's been a very, very difficult time for him ever since he lost his Red Bull seat. And he's certainly a much better driver and a much better character now than he was back then. And it's interesting, Steph, because you mentioned earlier with Sergio Perez that, you know, he has to look over his shoulder that Red Bull might, you know, be interested in perhaps ending his contract sooner than he would have expected to look elsewhere. I know Pierre Gasly has fallen out of favour with the team since his dismissal, but I just can't think of any better option that Red Bull have available right now to put into that car alongside Max Verstappen, perhaps 2023, then Pierre Gasly. And and the saddest thing for Pierre Gasly is that right now there isn't really any other realistic option for him than going back to Red Bull. I, I just, unless somehow Alpha Tauri are able to keep him a lot longer than next season, which I'm sure Red Bull wouldn't want to do, I just can't see where else you can go. I mean, it's crazy to think that someone as talented as Pierre Gasly is right now and as matured and more experienced, he seems to be getting better all the time. All of the top teams need to be keeping an eye on this kid because if Red Bull don't want him, he could prove to be a vital asset for the future. Bless you. Um, for those yeah. of you not seeing uh, Steph sneezing, but uh, <laughs> it, as I'm going on my Gasly monologue, but yeah, now I've loved what he's done this season, Pierre Gasly, and I really, really do hope that some avenue can be found to keep this kid, not just in Formula One, but in a good car as well, because he certainly he could prove to be a huge factor in the years to come. And he's just proved it once again today that he is definitely up there as far as quality pace is concerned. Yeah, what about him going I'm... to Mercedes? Oh, when, when, when Hamilton retires, what if wow. uh, Mercedes pinch Gasly from Alpha Tauri? Because Red Bull aren't going to put him back in there. I cannot see any way that he's getting back in there unless Verstappen gets injured and they decide there's literally no other option. See, I think they're put, I, I think, I, I'm on the same wavelength there that I just, I think he's, I just don't think it's happening again, which is such a shame because I do think he should have the opportunity to go back to the top team. But I think they've just been so clear in the fact that, oh, we don't want him back. And I just think his career now is being hindered by the fact that those 10, 11 or so races that he did with Red Bull, that's kind of scarring his career now uh, because Red Bull have decided, no, we're basing your entire, the rest of your career on what you did wrong the first time. It's really disappointing because I do completely agree, Adam. I think he's a stellar driver. And I think that if Red Bull were to give him, I don't think Red Bull have anyone else in their junior academy that would be right to go into that team unless they, you know, keep Sergio Perez. But within their academy, Pierre Gasly is the only driver that's, you know, standing out and shows that he can put it at the front of the grid. And so it would be great to see him back, um, but I, I I, don't buy it. I don't think I, it's going to happen. I would say never say never. You know, we see stranger things in Formula One. Fernando Alonso can certainly attest to that uh, with McLaren. But you know, you're, you're right. You, you look at drivers in their junior program, like the likes of Yuri Vips, Liam Lawson, who's doing rather well. Um, Jay Andaruvala, amongst others. And for me, they're all good talents, good prospects, but they're just not quite ready. I don't think yeah. they're going to be ready for a seat at Red Bull for next year. Alex Albon will be one to keep an eye on as well. Who knows? Sonoda could have an incredible season next season. There's so many factors in it. And as you said, Aaron, Mercedes, you can't rule that out either because unless I'm mistaken, I think Frederick Vesti is the next driver after George Russell, technically, yeah. um, in the Mercedes program. And he's nowhere near ready for a seat mm-hmm. in Formula One, in my opinion, let alone a seat at Mercedes. So with all respect to him, I think he's a good driver. But um, there's so many options. Um, I, I just feel like an entity like Gasly that is valuable to almost any team on that grid. And I think all the big teams, if they're serious, should keep an eye on him um, because, you know, he could become... Well, the next big thing, you never know. This is an exciting generation. He's certainly a part of it. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to watch this space. Retweet. It's a very exciting generation. Formula One in the next few years is going to be so crazy. I can't, I couldn't even begin to write what I think is going to happen. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But we've talked a lot about Pierre Gasly. Let's move up to his friend, Charles Leclerc, who is uh, graduating to P3 with Hamilton's penalty. Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. The Ferraris have been looking quick this weekend. I think they are definitely on with a chance of a podium, depending on kind of what goes on around with uh, Hamilton, Verstappen and potentially Valtteri Bottas in the mix. 
so yeah, he's he would be a good shout. I think he did a good uh, uh, had a good qualifying today. I mean, everyone was making these mistakes, weren't they, Aaron? And Charles Leclerc was not exempt. He did make those mistakes in the earlier sessions, but managed to pull it out and qualified P4, which I think was a, a, the best that he could have potentially hoped for today. He was another one that uh, Crofty cursed. Uh, no, no, no sooner had he finished the Commentator's curse, isn't it? Oh my gosh. It was, it was so on cue. But, I mean, I love Charles Leclerc. I think he's fantastic. He's making me love Ferrari and, and Carlos Sainz as well. Um, I've never really counted myself as a Ferrari fan, but I'm slowly turning red. Uh, he saved the best for last. And he spoke actually afterwards about how it was difficult to get heat in the tyres and control the car uh, with his downforce setting early in the session. But as the track gripped up, the track and the car came to him. So it worked out really well for him. And he could be in a really good position if the race is fundamentally dry the mo- most of the way through. So if it's there's a little sprinkling where they don't need to switch to Inters, I think he could be in a good position to hang on uh, for a challenge at the podium. Again, depending on what happens in front, how quickly Lewis makes his way through the field and who Le- Lewis brings along with him. Um, Shark could be in a really strong position to capitalise on any kind of um, scuffle at the front. And he, we've already seen him almost do it at Silverstone and maybe Turkey could be uh, his day considering how his race last year finished there uh, where he made the mistake on the final lap. Oh God, wow. Throwing it back to, throwing it back to last year, aren't we? Wow. Um, trigger, triggering all the Ferrari fans right now. <laughs> well, I mean, they'll be loving that, yeah. Because... You know, <laughs> definitely and, and, so. And the weird thing about them is you know, to extend on Aaron's point, if I may, they had a surprisingly brilliant day tactically. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if I break it down just briefly, you know, because mm-hmm. Charles managed to recover to get P4, he put, you know, put the one really, really good lap that we all expected him to do at the point when it counted to get effectively what is going to be P3 and has a good chance in the race because his his race pace was pretty solid. I think it was only Lewis Hamilton on the medium tyres that was fast on him and fastened him on a Friday. And then you got Carlos Sainz as well, who obviously had his engine that he, uh, penalties that he had to take. But what I really found was interesting is how they used Sainz today. Um, in Q1, he came out and did one flying lap to knock Daniel Ricciardo in the McLaren out of qualifying, which effectively could be huge in the Constructors' Championship, depending on what happens tomorrow. And then when Charles Leclerc was struggling in Q2 to get a lap together, they even used him at the end of qualifying just to do one lap so that he could serve as a slipstream for Charles in that final sector. I don't know if you guys saw it at the end of qualifying. As Charles was on his lap, you could see a Ferrari and you think they're going to try and slipstream. And for once, when Ferrari tried that strategy, they absolutely nailed it. I mean, he was comfortable, Charles, but it was just nice for Ferrari fans, I imagine, to see Ferrari put those little tactics Mm. together and actually pull it off rather than tripping over themselves. So no, good for them today. Yeah, and I think that that's a really good point that you've made actually as well, because Ferrari tend to mess up strategy quite a lot. And what I found really interesting is this year, they've kind of come into their own. So I know last year in 2020, there were me there were memes on Twitter. And before that as well, everyone was laughing at how they were doing their strategy and making fun of it. And I think the way that they've kind of, having these two competitive drivers this year I think is really really of benefit to them and they clearly have a good relationship (laughs) thus far don't want to jinx it as well I think this could definitely turn into a spicy little battle between Carlos and Charles in the future but I 100% want to agree with what Adam was just saying I think they did a fantastic job today so smart smart cookies for Ariel right now they are it's definitely an interesting one to watch out for because I think the McLaren is a faster car, but the way that Ferrari is kind of playing out in this constructors battle, it could 100% go down to the wire. So yeah, good point. Nice. Well made. Um, and let's talk- this weekend. So make of that what you will. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and let's talk about the now top three. So we've got Max Verstappen who qualified P3. We've got Valtteri Bottas who qualified P2. Lewis Hamilton who qualified P1, but will obviously be taking that grid penalty. So Max Verstappen, I thought he would be a lot quicker today than he was. And I don't think he necessarily got the maximum out. We've heard that he wasn't completely happy with kind of the setup of the car and it just wasn't, you know, 100% to his liking. Aaron, do you think Max had a shot pole today or were the Mercedes just too quick in practice? And this, this was just their track. Oh, I think we might've lost Aaron. We'll go to Adam. (laughs) Um, It is a bit of a surprise, Steph. Um, 
you know, Aaron comes back just halfway through the point. But yeah, it's a bit of a <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah. Um, it is a bit of a surprise um, that Red Bull did seem to be struggling for pace. Um, I- I'm wondering if they're thinking about tomorrow because Max, interestingly, was a bit down on the Mercs in the straights. I know a lot of people said, you know, Mercedes have got the best engine between the two. And I don't think there's a massive difference between Mercedes and Honda this year. I think Honda have done an incredible job with what they've done with that engine. Um, but, you know, that that being aside, we expected this to be a Red Bull track. Um, I think for the rest of the races this season, we expect Red Bull to fancy themselves. Um, but Mercedes did a great job today. Um, they extracted the most performance they had. I think Red Bull are still going to have some answers to try and find this evening if they're going to do some more work on the Sims, if they can, to try and maximise the package they have. And I suppose for them, they just got to hope that Max can avoid an accident and do the best job that he can with Bottas. I mean, it will depend tomorrow how feisty Bottas is. I imagine Bottas will go into tomorrow's race with his own objectives to try and win, not necessarily, you know, with the aim to help Lewis, but he can do so in the process. That would be good for him. So for Max, I think tomorrow the first lap is going to be critical. If we have a dry race, I think if Max can get past Bottas, get a good start. And Max has got some really good starts this season. I know you mentioned Lewis was struggling to get starts. So if Max can do that and get ahead of Bottas and keep him behind him, which will be easier said than done with that pace advantage Mercedes seem to have here, then it might turn out well for them. But they will be scratching their heads wondering why they've come to a circuit they expected to be stronger at. And Mercedes are not only just ahead of them, judging by Lewis's pace, they've got quite a bit of a margin in hand as well so that could prove to be interesting with Lewis in particular definitely um I want to retweet that <laughs> retweet that we can't retweet it's not Twitter um definitely re what's the word reiterate re- reiterate yeah. that's the one <laughs> thank you uh, just had a brain dead for a minute um but yeah definitely reiterate what you just said in terms of the fact that the ones we're coming the races we're coming to as well are Red Bull tracks and if Mercedes can kind of keep that or have an advantage going into these tracks that we expect to be stronger for Red Bull, then this constructors as well, this constructor, this driver's championship could be like completely different by the end of it. So who knows? Um, honestly, this is, is, is a very unpredictable weekend. It's a very unpredictable season of Formula One. Honestly, I, I keep saying this, but you, you can't write it. So but yeah, we'll move on. We'll talk about Valtteri Bottas inherited the pole position. I think I don't really know what to think about Valtteri this weekend, uh, this year. I feel like he's been very hot and cold at times. Um, I mean, he had a good weekend at Monza, for example, but some of the weekends that he's had, I've just been very confused as to where he is because normally he's a very good qualifier as well. So I think we kind of saw that as well today, but he wasn't really very close to Lewis. Lewis was so far ahead of everyone else. I think it was around about no no it wasn't actually uh it's in the in the beginning it was further apart but i think it was about only about okay that's not a lot i'm 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 trying to look and i think it's only about a tenth so i don't know what i'm looking at now i think i was looking at the q1 differences uh, which was about five to uh five cents but no Valtteri Bottas, pretty close to Lewis Hamilton, who definitely had the edge this weekend. Um, so he he kind of brought it in qualifying today, which is different to what we've been seeing from him. Do you think this is a, a turn for Valtteri Bottas and we're going to see some better qualifiers from him, Aaron, going forward into the final few races of the season? Well, we, we, we would be forgiven for thinking that after Monza, considering he was fastest on the Friday. And then obviously he did drop to the back of the grid on the Saturday after winning the sprint. He, he has got to win this race. He's bagged the pole position. He's done the job that he needed to do. Now he's got to win and or completely bottle Max Verstappen up, um, which will be hard to do considering the long back straight. But what plays in Mercedes' favour is obviously, as Adam mentioned, the, the much stronger race pace. And I think um, that's down to the downforce levels that the team are running Red Bull confident in that Honda power unit to give them the grunt down the straight they're going slightly skinnier on their wings and Mercedes are putting a bit more wing on to look after the tyres and that's helping them through the long corners in the middle sector so if Max gets a run on Valtteri at any point in the race I think Valtteri's got to well down the back straight it'll be very difficult to defend but anywhere else he's got to be super bold in his defence and uh, his last defence against Verstappen was uh, flimsy at best. 
in Sochi. So he's got to put right that wrong because that he was put back in the pack to do that job and he, he failed. So he's got to block Max. He's got to win the race. Whether it's a turning point, hard to say because he's been, as you say, so hot and cold this year. I mean, he, he could go well in, in the next race at Texas, but then that, that could fully depend on how tomorrow goes for him. If he fails to win the race and Max romps off and wins by 20 seconds, then it's going to really kill his mojo. Definitely. Um, I think Valtteri, I don't know. I, I really wanted Valtteri Bottas to have a really good season this year, especially before leaving um, Mercedes. I wanted him to get one win as well. And I thought, oh, such a perfect time for Valtteri Bottas to get a win. That's Valtteri Bottas's track. And lo and behold, didn't really work out for him, did he? So I'd love to see him get a win actually this year. Um, So he doesn't, so that he can kind of go on that high, go to Alfa Romeo on that high of having, you know, one last win because the likelihood of him really achieving any victories now going back to that team, it's slim. So we'll we'll see. There's a few races that Valtteri Bottas can do this and potentially it could be tomorrow. So we will have to see. But let's finally talk about Lewis Hamilton. Uh, he's won his 100th race. I was going to say 1,000th then and I was like, no, that's too many wow uh 100th race last time out in sochi so he's kind of got the momentum right now qualified pole position so he did a fantastic job all weekend he's looked pretty dominant like the dominant force the dominant car the guy who set up to get pulled to win the race unfortunately he's going to take this 10 place uh grid penalty and start p11 but i think he's still in with a really good shot tomorrow. I think he did everything he needed to do in qualifying today. Adam, wouldn't you say? I don't think he could have done, well, he couldn't have done anymore. He was P1. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely right. Lewis did the absolute maximum that he could have done today. Um, I think the most impressive thing today, and I think your colleague Kira, Megan pointed this out on Twitter, I remember seeing, is that how he's managed to fit all that hair that he's got into yeah. the fresh helmet <laughs> and still looking the business as he always does, Lewis mm-hmm. Hamilton. But... You know, I, I mean, we talk about it as if we're surprised um, with Lewis. You know, this was a, a huge weekend for him. He does really need to put in the best performance he can. It's going to be mega fun to watch him dice his way through the field. And, you know, some people saying, oh, a podium would be a good result if Max finishes ahead of him. But you never know. I mean, judging by the pace deficit he has, if he plays this right, you certainly cannot rule him out for the win this weekend. He's won from further back. And I think a lot of us probably looked at this weekend and thinking, if Max gets on pole... He's going to romp away to victory. The Bottas factor will be a thing, but I'll be honest with you, Steph, I think judging from what we've seen from practice and qualifying, I wouldn't be surprised if Bottas was the one that was fighting Lewis for the win this weekend. And I say that loosely because I'm sure Bottas will play <laughs> play to the team orders if he has to, but it's certainly not set in stone judging by their pace deficit that Lewis will finish behind Max tomorrow. I just feel that there's a chance he could overhaul him. He's been that good this weekend. Definitely. And it's it's really strange as well, because we have seen Max having these advantages and Lewis kind of almost buckling under the pressure, which is not something that we've seen from Lewis Hamilton in recent years. And he's really risen to the occasion this uh, this weekend. I think especially seeing Max come from P20 to P2, especially out in Russia last time, has definitely given Lewis the impetus and the knowledge that it is 100% possible for him to go to P11 to P1. I, and like you said, he's he's won from further back before. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting race tomorrow. So, finally, I want your guys' predictions. Who do you think is going to end up on the podium? And who do you think is going to get the fastest lap? Who wants to go first? Does anyone have one off the top of the head? I'll go. Uh, okay. I'll go with... Uh... Good stuff. <laughs> If, if Hamilton pulls it off, it's going to be one amazing race to watch. And I'm going to go with Hamilton to win the race Ooh. from 11th on the grid. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to go with Bottas P2. And I'm going to go and put uh, Charles Leclerc in third place. Ooh, okay. Are you expecting uh, a Max Verstappen DNF or just um, not, not pacey enough? I, I think there's going to be some issues at turn one. Max is on the inside. And he might get swallowed up a little bit. The inside of the track isn't as gripping. He mentioned this in his interview with Sky. So if Bottas gets a clean start and Leclerc as well, and I mean, Gasly's starting P4 and he's not going to want to sit behind Verstappen. Um, and to be honest, it looks like the Red Bull looks like the Haas this, this weekend. So everyone's going to think <laughs> they can overtake it. Um, so I think Max is going to have a few issues uh, considering the tyre wear problems that they've had 
over the weekend. And then fastest lap, Lewis Hamilton. He's going to be coming through. He's going to DRS like constantly. <laughs> so that thing Lovely. is going to be a rocket ship. I like those predictions. I like it. Adam, are you similar or different? Um, I- I'm glad Aaron went first because I was going to be boring and conservative. Um, okay. It's an interesting point that Aaron's made, really, because that first corner where Max is starting, it's the way it sort of undulates, it causes the cars to understeer wide, hence why they've put those mini sausage curbs on the outside to avoid people taking liberties with track limits, which fortunately you know, didn't resolve in any laps being deleted, which cost people, although we'll have to see how that goes in the race. But, you know, Aaron made a good point. If Max doesn't get a great start, and gets clear of Bottas, he's just going to have to be conservative and protect what he has. Because the last thing he wants is another collision like what we saw at Hungary or Silverstone that will cost him vital championship points in a championship that you could argue to a degree he should be well out of sight of at this point, but he's not. And Lewis has done well to hang in there. So, you know, you can't afford to take that risk with Lewis coming through the field behind him as he will. In terms of the top three, I think it's going to be either Max or Lewis that wins. You know, as much as I want Valtteri to get a result this weekend, and I think he certainly looks like he's the favourite to win, uh, I just think you're going to get a scenario where either Max gets him early on or it has more race pace than we expected and beats him, or Lewis Hamilton gets ahead of Max Verstappen and Mercedes instruct Bottas to let Lewis go through for the win. It's going to be one of those two. So I'm going to be conservative and go Max to win, but very loosely on that one, I must say. Um, Lewis second and Bottas in third. Ooh, I think that's the that's a smart one. That's the uh, that's the easy easy option, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's the, log- <laughs> the logical choice. Um, fastest lap. Who who's grabbing fastest lap? Oh, Lewis. Without a doubt, Lewis Hamilton's going to do it. Even if he finishes outside the podium, he's going to be like a bullet tomorrow. So yeah, definitely him. Okay, I think we're all in agreement that Lewis is going to grab the fastest lap. I don't. I asked. I know I asked you, but then I was just thinking, oh, I haven't thought about who it's going to be. Ah, um, I think Max is definitely going to win tomorrow. I think um, Valtteri Bottas is one of his weaknesses is his defensive work. Um, so I do think that Max will have him, and Lewis Hamilton will get very close. You know what? It could potentially be. We could potentially see Lewis try an undercut strategy. No, not an undercut strategy. A two-stop strategy. If Max stays on the kind of normal one stop, we could see Lewis kind of burning through a lot of tyre as he's kind of making his way through the pack and pumping out fast laps all the way through. Do uh, What's the race? Hungary 2019, was it, where where he did that with Max Verstappen and kind yeah. of went to steal the victory? I, I think that that is a, a, a strategy that could potentially be replicated tomorrow. Oh, I'm not using my words very well today. I'm just getting all jumbled up. But yeah, I think, mm, oh, okay. I'll also say that Lewis Hamilton wins. Um, If we get a bit of rain, I think Lance Stroll is on the podium. I did predict this before qualifying happened. But if the rain comes, I'm going to go with Lance on the podium. So I'll just be out there and I'll say Lewis, Max, then Stroll. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll go with that. This it's a very very bold assumption to to have made. So uh, I guess we'll see how that plays out. Um, yeah, Except doing so, a rain dance tonight. I I will be I will be well, doing the rain dance. <laughs> what you wish for, because judging by what we see in FP three this morning, if it does rain, I think that could be the caveat that Red Bull need because oh they look rather comfortable in the wet. Whereas whilst we didn't see Lewis at his absolute best in the wet, Bottas did struggle um, compared to the Red Bull. So. Yeah, I think if anyone's going to be doing a rain dance this evening, it'll be Christian Horner and Helmut Marco. And <laughs> the latter is back, back crazy. I'm not going to swear on this. Is crazy enough to do that. <laughs> you don't know your audience. It's best just not to. It's best to abstain from that. Mm, definitely. Well, we'll, we'll see. Would, yeah. If if that is if that is the case that they're doing a rain dance, I'm sure Sky will uh, will not let us uh, hear the end of it before the race <laughs> tomorrow. So we shall see. But. We're going to come to the end of this qualifying review. Very much looking forward to the race tomorrow. We hope you've all enjoyed this. Uh, if you want to hear these qualifying reviews, these race reviews, as soon as they air, make sure you like F1 Grid Talk on YouTube so that you can watch the show live because we always broadcast them on YouTube. And make sure you like the Chronicle on Facebook as well to see all of our articles and 
be updated with what's going on and whatnot. All of our podcasts are available on all of the usual podcast platforms. If you can't catch it live on YouTube, but obviously they're on YouTube, they're on Amazon Music as well, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. And there is a plen- there's a huge back catalogue of shows if you want to get stuck in. If you've forgotten what happened last week in Russia and need to refresh, you can go and watch the Russian uh, analysis. So yeah there's lots to get stuck into do have a look and see if anything takes your fancy uh, we do have a subreddit search for f1 grid talk and a patreon so that you can support us and help us get better equipments like microphones so that we can improve the quality for you guys do not forget to leave us a five-star review on itunes to be featured and mentioned in upcoming podcast episodes but yeah that's everything we will be back tomorrow after the turkish grand prix to an- analyze yes analyze what has gone down in the weekend but we hope you enjoy the race tomorrow thank you so much for watching and bye for now bye i think we've stopped streaming fingers crossed Yeah, I think we're done streaming. Ah! Say, anyone?